This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. There's this video I keep watching of the protests in Ferguson, Missouri, a few years back. It's August, a few days after Michael Brown was shot and killed by police and then left in the middle of the street for hours. If you are on the Quick Trip lot, you are unlawfully assembled and you will be subject to arrest. In this video, police are letting off smoke bombs, firing tear gas. And then the camera settles on a guy who's leaning against a telephone pole, wearing a suit jacket, just watching. The man says, this is where our homes are located, where our children are in their beds. And this drama is truly affecting them for the rest of their lives. The reporter asks, are you hopeful anything good will come of this? The man takes a deep breath, but then he says yes. The reporter who did this interview, her name is Alice Sperry. And I'm a reporter at The Intercept. Great. And you were at Vice before that? I was at Vice for a couple years, yeah. I was struck by this video she shot because it shows how even when things on the ground looked really bleak, there were people who had hope. People who were thinking about what would happen next. I remember a week, maybe a week, maybe, well, a few days after Mike Brown was killed, there were people doing voter registration drives on Canfield Drive, which is the street where he was killed. So really, early on, you had the sense that this was going to, you know, develop into something bigger than just a protest. After these protests in Ferguson went down, there was a lot of talk about something called the Ferguson effect. It was really a phrase used by police to talk about the fact that police were feeling scrutinized and, and threatened and felt like they were treated in, in, a, in a hostile manner, and so weren't doing their job as much, and crime was rising. That was really law enforcement's take on it. But Alice says she was there for the beginning of a different kind of Ferguson effect. There were voter registration drives. There were hundreds of people showing up at town hall meetings. There was a huge turnout for local elections. Like Ferguson and other places hadn't seen before, in, in ever, really. And, um, and then now we're starting to see it translate into the election of some really progressive prosecutors, but also really progressive um, elected officials across the board. Over the last five years, Aliche's watched as activists became leaders and leaders took charge. On today's show, she's going to introduce us to one of these leaders, a guy named Wesley Bell. He just took over as St. Louis County and Ferguson's top prosecutor. He's promising radical change to Missouri's criminal justice system. But can he deliver? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. 
When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Alice Sperry kept coming back to Ferguson after that first trip. She watched as residents took to the streets night after night. Three months after the shooting, a grand jury decided not to indict Darren Wilson, the officer who shot Michael Brown. And Alice braced for more protests. But this is also when local activists began paying closer attention to the man who could have made the charges stick, St. Louis County Prosecutor Bob McCullough. Bob McCullough was elected for the first time in 1991 and for the seventh time just four or five days before Mike Brown was killed. I actually talked to activists in St. Louis who said I probably voted for that guy a bunch of times because he's the only Democrat, he's the only one on the ballot. I don't know what prosecutors do. Sure, it, that's kind of the thought process that went into district attorney's races everywhere for a really long time. And what kind of office did he run? He ran a very traditional sort of tough on crime Office. I mean, in, in a lot of prosecutors' offices, you don't really get a lot of political differences between Republican and Democrats in that sense. Uh, prosecutors' offices tend to be very close to law enforcement, and, and that particular office was extremely close to law enforcement. Bob McCullough was in office for 27 years. He never once prosecuted a police killing. He was the son of a police officer. His father had been killed on the line of duty. He was very close to police, and, and you know, that was very much revealed Throughout the, the process, you know, he's basically his refusal to indict Darren Wilson or to really present evidence. But as Alice said, Bob McCullough had just been reelected days before Michael Brown was shot and killed. When did you first start hearing people talk about, we need to change who's in the prosecutor's office? I mean, I, I remember people started naming names in Ferguson. Uh, they, they named the chief of police. Tom Jackson was the Ferguson police chief. Um, Bob McCulloch was the prosecutor for St. Louis County. So these were people that, you know, had been in office or run in the police department for years, but people hadn't necessarily talked about very much. And uh, and they became famous basically immediately for their complete mishandling of this case. But it really started there. People didn't know their prosecutor by name until Ferguson. Everybody knew who Bob McCulloch was after the grand jury announcement. As a Department of Justice report would show, the problems in Ferguson went beyond a single prosecutor, beyond Bob McCullough. In a city that had flipped from majority white to majority black in a single decade, the DOJ said Ferguson's police and municipal court practices reflected and exacerbated racial bias. Black people were far more likely to be arrested, and then they were far more likely to be charged court fees that helped keep the city afloat. As all this started coming to light, a young lawyer named Wesley Bell was becoming increasingly politically active. First, he ran for city council. And then last year, he took on Bob McCullough. And he won. He's the first black prosecutor in the county. Wesley Bell is 44. He is from St. Louis. He is the son of a police officer who started out his career in law as a public defender and then worked as both a prosecutor and a judge in municipal courts. Is he charismatic? He's a very charismatic guy. He's got a little bit of that, you know, Obama feel to him. Uh, and some people have already talked to him, talked about him as, you know, 
someone who's going places politically down the line. But he's very much focused on his job right now. And uh, one thing that really struck me when I met him is how, you know, I, I was at his office on his second week on the job. And his staff couldn't even let me in because they didn't have access cards. Like they couldn't get into the building because they were still dealing with the transition. And the guy had already announced all these massive sweeping changes. And he was like very busy running around and announcing these partnerships with with health organizations around alternatives to criminalizing mental illness and addiction. And literally the office was full of boxes. (laughs) And it very much had this like feel of, okay, people are moving in and out and it's like... So he wasn't wasting a lot of time. Yeah, he did all of this on his first job, on on his first day. What are some of the changes Wesley Bell wants to put in place? So the guy's been in office for a month. He was sworn in on New Year's, and by the second day, he had put out this memo internally outlining all these sweeping changes. The first most obvious one, you know, he announced they would no longer prosecute the possession of less than 100 grams of marijuana, which is something we're starting to see in a few places. He said prosecutors would end cash bail requests for misdemeanors and lower level felonies. They would not criminally prosecute the failure to to pay child support, which is huge because in St. Louis County in 2017, there were 530 criminal prosecutions for the failure to to pay child support, which is a civil violation, right? He also um, fired people, right? He fired three people, including Kathy Elizade, who'd been the lead prosecutor in the Mike Brown case. She's the one that had presented all the evidence to the grand jury. And then he fired this other veteran prosecutor who had gone on Facebook shortly after the election, basically saying how people had made a mistake and, you know, they should have never elected him. Well, I mean, it raises something else, which is Wesley Bell is taking over an office that isn't necessarily filled with people who are friendly to his ideas. Absolutely. He's, and in fact, quite the contrary. He's taking over an office of people who have done things a certain way for 30 years and before then and weren't challenged. And then, of course, he's he's working with police and, because that's what prosecutors do. And he's he's changing the rules and, um, you know, demanding that police and prosecutors go with it. And that's what he ran on. And that's what he's promised voters he would do. But of course, he's getting a lot of internal resistance. Well, and there's a real question of like, he's only been in office for like a month. Yeah. But there's this one case where he said he won't seek the death penalty. It's a murder case, a murder assault case. But people are pushing back on that saying, well, you shouldn't be seeking life without parole. So the more um, sort of progressive wing is pushing back from the other side, too. And so he's really going to have to navigate these two sides of things. Absolutely. I think that's that's really key here. Prosecutors are in this, especially those that kind of build themselves as progressive prosecutors, are in this very tricky position because on the one hand, they have the tough on crime crowd that wants, you know, the highest sentences possible. And then on the other hand, you have people who just don't believe in the justice system basically at all, who don't believe in the role of prosecutors. So for instance, there is this case, um, there was this murder and sexual assault case in St. Louis County back in November. And, you know, Bell indicated he's not going to seek the death penalty in this first case he's been presented with, but he's asking for life without parole, which to a lot of people that want criminal justice reform, that's not good enough. Uh, Life without parole is, you know, maybe not as problematic as death penalty, but it's extremely problematic too. So I think he's going to be making people unhappy on both sides. And I think he recognizes that, but he's kind of taking on the challenge of sort of reforming the system from within the limits of a prosecutor's office. I mean, you don't run for prosecutor if you want to be, you know, if you want to abolish the police. That's not what you... So it's not that kind of activist that gets into office. So I think figures like Bell and Krasner and others are kind of as progressive as we're going to push that particular role. How long do you think Wesley Bell has to 
show what he's going to do? Well, he has at least one term until the next election. I think he has a lot of support locally, but also, you know, support from people that understand that this system has operated this way for decades and it will take a long time to change it. So I think he's got some goodwill on part of those who voted for him. I think he will be tested. And I think the greatest test for him is going to come if and when there is another police killing in St. Louis County. And looking at how he's going to handle that, I think will really... You think the the first thing that will challenge him will be an officer-involved shooting. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to him about that or talked to other people about what they expect he'll do? He said he is going to have a special prosecutor come in. And uh, that's something that, you know, I think others have promised. And I think we should start seeing that happen across the country as these shootings happen. One thing that some people would like him to do is reopen the investigation into Mike Brown's death. He didn't want to comment on that. I'm not sure what he's thinking about it. I think his plan is to just move on. But because so many people do associate his win to what happened in Ferguson, I think there's there's some expectations there as well. I think people have become generally more skeptical of elected officials in general. So they're like excited about him because he's different and because he's promising to do something different. But they're not kind of in love with political figures in the way that you could have seen around other races elsewhere. They, that's not really how this is working. They don't pick their hero and decide to run with him. They pick the policies. And and I think it's actually very healthy that some of them are very skeptical of him. They're like, OK, that's great. I voted for him and I am happy he's there and I wanted Bob McCulloch out and I believe in his reforms, but I'm going to be watching. And that's kind of the message I got in St. Louis. Alice Sperry is a journalist at The Intercept. Later this week, can a prosecutor be too progressive? We're going to go to Philadelphia, where a guy named Larry Krasner is beginning to figure that out. That's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and the people who make this thing sound so amazing are Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. If you are enjoying the show, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. Bring your friends. There is room for one more. Many more. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary's Desk. Talk to you tomorrow. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.